Mr. Derek Veenhoff. He's better known as Deke. Drinking liquor with DJ Deke, we out laughing. Yo, Deke. Guys, welcome back to the show. My name is Deke. Decatello, DJ Decatello. I'm here with Sean and Carl from One Dish, One Mike. Welcome, guys. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It's a pleasure. It's been a long time coming. We've been trying to set this up. Um, So, quick overview of what you guys do. You guys started a podcast. I want to say, like, was it like three or four years ago? Three years. 2016. It's been three years. One Dish, One Mike. And it's a podcast centered around indigenous issues, indigenous affairs, and whatnot. Yes, sir. Yeah being as you guys both have some experience and background in those yeah. in that field yeah. fortunately we were born indigenous <laughs> <laughs> right. so we have a like, in- inherent knowledge yeah <laughs> and uh you mentioned that you guys both have a slightly different background so you yep. have slightly different things to bring to the table that is true yeah um one thing that carl mentioned today on the radio show which i should mention they're also on am radio at 6 10 a.m that's right it's sundays at noon right yeah, yeah that's right yeah our, check us out our uh motto or slogan is from podcast to broadcast it rhymes that's right so you that's know right. It's, that's right it's um, legit <laughs> so so what how, how did that move actually happen to the to the am radio how so how many weeks have you been doing it now like five six eight? weeks oh eight yeah weeks. this is week eight, eight yeah we're, we just finished our second month now did yeah, you guys radio. approach them or did they approach you or well, they, they found us yeah they found us nice to us. Yeah. just so we we guest commentate on 610 mm-hmm. um so i'm traditionally with larry fedoric i do a, I have about a two-week commitment i guess if you want to sorry i'm on every two weeks i can't talk right now yeah <laughs> um i'm on every two weeks and we go on and talk about politics and then you have a pretty regular schedule too yeah every other tuesday i'm a noon 30 panelist which yeah. was a, a direct product of our podcast yeah uh, that's Tom amazing Connell is one of the hosts and he not only is is radio broadcaster, but he listens to like he's listening to other things that are happening. So he yeah. said very specifically because we're a local indigenous broadcast like that, it, we hit a niche that that actually there's no For other sure. local to Niagara indigenous podcast. There's a bunch now, a bunch of other podcasts. Yeah, yeah. is there other notable ones in the in the country that you guys listen to, or any other Redman Redman laughing? Yeah, in the country, yeah, probably. Oh. Yeah, Redman laughing. From? Uh, he that's uh ryan mcmahon is a stand-up comedian hilarious oh, okay and he was in our community actually doing some stand-up comedy but yeah. that's his podcast and he has a whole podcast network so, oh nice okay yeah, called indian cool. cowboy yeah with a whole bunch of shows our friend patty too we should give a shout out yeah. to patty crock has uh she's an indigenous host and she co-hosts yeah. medicine for the resistance with carrie goring uh, who, um, as a black Canadian woman, brings a uh, different perspective. So two racialized women talking about how issues of the day affect them. Right on. Yeah. It's very cool. This this podcast is going to stand as, for me, like basically a, a lesson because although I do all this stuff, the podcasting interview, all these different topics and whatnot, it is one area that I'm pretty ignorant about, yeah. right? And um, the one thing that was enlightening to me, I had Toolman from Tribe Called Red on an early episode of the Decast, and he's been a friend of mine for a while. We started making music together and stuff like that back in the day. And uh, it, we talked about residential schools. This was like two years ago I had him on, and I didn't even know that that was a thing. Yeah. Like even mm-hmm. s- someone who, like I'm not an expert, but I consider myself a little above average in the just being aware of stuff, yeah. right, in general. And it's funny that you can think that about yourself but you can still just be so have a blind spot that's so big yeah right and so that was crazy for me to learn about residential schools and the history of that and even now there's there's always stuff coming out right documents they're finding and i was just reading about the nutrition experiments that they had done on some kids and uh, let alone all the abuse and and whatnot right and there's still just reparations going on for Mm -hmm. that and stuff so what are what are some of the biggest uh issues that you guys find important that are sort of but people have a blind spot on uh, everything everything so canada is very good at um hiding their treatment of indigenous people right yeah. that people canadians have a tendency to think that post confederation indigenous people kind of just stopped um which in a sense is true because we went to residential schools right we the the, the goal of residential schools was to kill the indian in the child so I, removing them from their parents isolating them in western society western right. culture western education and and assimilating them into mainstream canada um 
so yeah that, that was pretty much the start of it then then after that was the 60 scoop so once they realized that residential schools were wrong they decided to adopt us out or to take us away from our parents and just give us to to non-indigenous people like just families yeah, like adopting family. uh, so right. th- i have a personal connection to this my cousin was adopted out um mm-hmm. and she was taken to australia so no real connection, no real knowledge of who her family was, who she was. Yeah. Um, and it, it's horrible, right? Growing up across the world, the other side of the world, um, not knowing who you are. Mm-hmm. And she that she always had that feeling at the back of her head or in the back of her mind. Um, there's something missing. Something is just not right. Yeah. Um, so she eventually found her way back. So we've been in close contact. She lives in Canada now. Um, actually lives in Winnipeg now. Um, yeah. So with um, with all the adoption out, would that all have been negative experiences? Would there have been some people that were taken from, say, a situation that was bad and, and maybe helped in their life? Or would you say, was it just across the board, just the wrong move? That's what's complicated. Yeah. We uh, have done some advocacy work with our friend Darcy. Yeah. And I've attended several events. And even as an Indigenous person, like I didn't realize the scale and the scope of the legacy of right. the 60 Scoop. And it's still ongoing yep. too, so that's that's the million dollar question. I think you hit the nail on the head. Is a Canadian listening to this uh, podcast is going to say to themselves, "Yeah, but if the home was broken, yeah, and if the parents were alcoholics, and if everything was wrong, right. then isn't it actually a net good thing to take the kid away?" Right. The problem is that, like, in some select cases, do children need to be removed from toxic? homes of course right the problem is that with the 60 scoop and with the ongoing millennial scoop is they're they're overzealous like one of the risk factors itself i heard from a local family children's services worker is just being indigenous itself actually triggers the opening of a file so the home can be fine but automatically once an indigenous child is born in the hospital then there's alerts that start to go off that say well should we be bringing facts into this fold so Mm. we haven't gotten the benefit of the doubt yeah Mm-hmm. We're, we're born at risk mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. We're born at risk and die at risk yep. still yeah and uh, today on the show you you guys were talked about uh pro- problems in academia in um, succeeding in academics mm-hmm. um and then of course there's the missing and murdered indigenous women yep. um inquiry which we were just looking at trudeau meter and he did open his let's check on trudeau actually okay let's see <laughs> let's see how he's doing right he's uh mm-hmm. you can pull it up on the video they can see well oh, not okay. really that zoomed in but so social issues where's the missing edition oh, <laughs> trying to point at it <laughs> trying to point at it did he even do it what's that new funding uh to promote no that's languages and cultures okay invest 500 million for building reverse uh, schools wow he, did he he promised to launch the missing and murdered indigenous women inquiry yeah in the first hundred days yeah and he did that Yes. He put together the group of people. Now, what they found was that the time period that they were given was not long enough. Okay. So they asked for an extension and were not granted the extension. The idea being that the government wanted this report out before the election Mm -hmm. so that they could basically check check the box that says that this report's finished. So I've only read the executive summary, which is which is like still a hundred pages, like it's still pretty exhaustive. I haven't read the thousands of pages that make up the report itself, but but in the hundreds of pages it there are some themes that are similar to the Royal Commission on Aboriginal People to the Ipperwash inquiry and to other work that's been done. Like it, it's another body of evidence to show that the legacy of the colonial state of Canada is still ongoing, mm-hmm. that the problems that are faced in indigenous communities are a direct result of the colonization process and the colonial settler state. And they will continue to go on until something is actively done to change mm-hmm. the culture of Canada. Mm-hmm. So obviously this is like a multifaceted issue, the missing and murdered women thing, yes. but would some of the factors be just, uh, you know, separation from the communities as far as uh, resources, like being able to go into these communities to actually do the, the work to find out uh, these various crimes, like what's happening? Like, and then, like, is there just the general racism involved or just sort of general disdain or, like, uh, you know what I mean? Just not well, it's ev- caring. It's everything. Like, yeah. Everything that you said is, it ha- has a has an effect on it, right? right? So racism isn't just I bo- I'm I'm here now and all of a sudden I'm racist. Yeah. This is years upon years upon years. The intergenerational effects of racism since Canada has become a country. N- 
Canadians have been trained to think of Indigenous people as less than. Mm-hmm. Um, and those views, as much as we try and fight racism and as much as we try and combat racism and as much as we will try and give Indigenous people a platform, it's hard to break, right? Like yeah. muscle memory exists, yeah. right? Like if, if any athlete out there, you you learn to do the simplest play over and over and over and over again, right? And yeah. the reason you learn to do those plays over and over again is so because when you're so tired, that just becomes instinct. And that's the same thing with racism. Right, it right. just becomes instinct. Your inherent biases come through mm-hmm. not realizing or not even knowing. Um, and unfortunately, there's not. I don't think there's anything that we can do for the previous generation. I think it's we just yeah. have to raise our kids yeah, yeah, yeah. better. You know, um, something you just made me think about is this whole conversation of racism, right? And the having one word to just like to talk about this large mm-hmm. uh, situation. It gets thrown around from the left and the right in Canada, U.S., and everywhere across the world, right? Racism, racism, yeah. especially with Trump and the whole election coming up. It's, and it's, um, I, I know some people get uh, almost offended when anti-racists try to use racism, like, you know, when they pin it on the president or whatever, they go, you know, no, he's not racist. He's just an Archie Bunker kind of racist. Yeah. Or what. And what you just made me think about is when you said the, the, the biases, it's like, it's not, sometimes it's not that you're racist against a group in the sense that uh, you think they're less than because of their yeah. DNA or whatnot. But like you said, it's almost a forgetting yeah. or not caring, right? Which, which, like you said, is kind of ingrained and it's unconscious. Yeah, it's right? unconscious racism. And we know that unconscious bias is, is, yeah. is a thing and that, but it is interesting in, the, in modern politics where that word's so heated. Mm. And for some people who may be like a centrist or something, they, they get offended from both sides yeah. and they kind of think anti-racism is uh, kind of pointless, right? Mm. And I'm kind of guilty of this too because I do hover around the center and I, I do get pulled in by sort of each side, mm-hmm. you know, center right or center left views and guys I listen to and stuff. And I, I, I'm so critical and sort of um, wanting to argue with everything so that, you know what I'm trying to say? Like I fall, sometimes I fall into a category where I'm only there because I'm trying to sort of exactly. defend or argue. Uh, does that make any sense? Yeah. Like, so you argue with a cons- uh, conservative, you automatically get labeled a liberal. Yeah. Or argue yeah. with a liberal and all of a sudden you're a conservative. Yeah. Or, or I see, when I see anti-racism stuff go on, I, I do have a, some, like a, like I'm an anti-racist, but when I see it, I have this sort of thing where I'm like, "Oh, come on!" Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I don't know how to address that within myself, or maybe I'm just gotta keep just riding the wave in the middle and just. So I think, like being a person of color, yeah. um, being anti-racist is one of the hardest things you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm mixed. So I'm indigenous, and my father's Dutch. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some racism in the Dutch community. Oh, I'm I'm Dutch too. Uh, yeah. I think we started slavery. <laughs> yeah, <pretty> sure. <laughs> you, you, you did. Thank you. Thank you, Derek. Thank you, Dad. <laughs> yeah. Um. But like going to like family events and trying to call out racism, like that's interesting. Yeah. Is like it's not easy to do. Mm-hmm. I'm, and any question, should I do it? Like, can I at least eat the pie before I yeah, fight? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but it, it's tough, and it's like. Be, to truly be anti-racist is to call it out when it matters and when it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and because of that, like, I don't, I'm anti-racist, but I don't, I, mean, I don't, I wouldn't say that I promote anti-racist. I mean, this is, this, it, well, mean, well, it comes to extremes on, on either side. Right. And, and not to, not to just make everybody equal and say, yeah. you know, there's, all lives matter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't but, see skin color, so but, therefore. But definitely, I mean, if you look at uh, what's going on in Portland right now, right? We have these, uh, and it sucks because Twitter is so like these thirty-second videos and one-minute videos. Yeah. But you've got these. Uh, the one today was just. Uh, did you, I don't know if you see it, the the hammer attack on the bus. There was. No, so these it. white nationalist kind of guys came in on a on this armored bus type thing into the Portland protests, and I guess they were taunting some of the antifa guys and they they opened the, the the bus door and was swinging a hammer at the antifa guys but then of course uh that that asian guy andy uh Nyo or whatever mm-hmm. however his go or whatever his name is um he posted just the part where the antifa guys had the hammer and were hitting them back mm-hmm. so he's trying to frame it like it was from antifa, his point yeah. of view and then you see the longer video and it's like apparently actually these sort of proud boy type guys mm-hmm. came up in this in this bus and it's like how are we supposed to know who to believe in these situations especially when i think so up to the minute mm. and sort of like up to the second yeah. it's it's very difficult so um 
I, I forget what my point actually yeah, was with that, what, but that's where this podcast comes in, yeah. out, like, and that's where I think that even us having an hour on the radio, which flies by, because even yeah. like the you know four eleven minute segments yeah. isn't really enough for us to properly unpack sure. the complex issue and put it back together. Yeah, what is at risk of happening is we're living in a society where the big idea and the complex idea it's almost like we don't have time for it yeah there there's some validity to what antifa is doing obviously oh yeah and like even, anti-fascism even, if you're fight like someone's yeah. saying getting mad at antifa for fighting nazis is like uh, getting mad at firefighters for putting out a fire right <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly so but the flip side of that is that like like i'm not a proud boys advocate or anything like that right but those guys are angry for a reason and there probably is some validity to why they're angry but what I would like to do is I think it would be better to have an opportunity to sit down with somebody like that and to go, okay, why are you upset? And then you might actually find out that, like, for Sean and I, we can't we can't take off our, our Indian faces, right? Yeah. Like, we always wear that indigeneity. And so that's something that can always automatically be weaponized against us. Right, for there sure. There might be something in their background, though, a time or a place when yeah. something wholly outside of their control was used against them. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're advocating mm-hmm. for is we can't control it. We can't shut it off. We're, we're always going to be indigenous. And that's something that there's always going to be people around that want to use that against us. Yeah. So if other groups of people would see how they've probably been affected in a similar way then maybe there's time to have those conversations and to unpack the complexities mm-hmm. of anti-racism because it's, it's not about shouting down nazis and you know swinging hammers. yeah <laughs> it gets all those cool uh, protests too it, it feels like you know on the internet we're all yelling at, at each other and we think well can we do this face to face but then when you go face to face it's even crazier it's like nobody seems to make sense they're all just yelling at each other and kind yeah. of you know filming each other and whatever and it's uh one one of the one of the commonalities that carl and i have is that we came to our culture or to our indigeneity at a later stage in life would you say that's fair yeah yeah, yeah interesting so, so we were not necessarily born with what it meant to be indigenous like we knew we were indigenous we knew that we were different we knew that um we didn't know what that meant. Yeah. Um, so I have this theory that when you become, when you kind of have this reawakening or when you realize who you are, um, there's stages that people go through. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, what we see in these Proud Boys and these Antifa is they're in that stage of they realizing what has happened in the past. And again, I am completely anti-fascist, mm-hmm. but they're realizing what happened in the past. And they're saying that and one of the, once you realize anger is the only thing you see. For sure, yeah. So when I started learning about what it meant to be indigenous, when I started learning about residential schools, the first thing that I said is, well, guess what? We're fighting. <laughs> Next person who says anything about my culture, we are fists are going. Sure, yeah. You can't just do nothing. Yeah. Like say nothing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where they are. All of these protesters at this time are at this angry stage of where there's no other option. Right. I can't put it into words. I can only put it to my fists. and. Mm-hmm. It's and that sucks, though, because there's, I mean, there's things you have to fight for, but it's interesting that uh, throughout history, violence, what is it, what did they say, revolution comes at the barrel of a gun, was that Mao or someone? Mm. But, like, it sucks that violence seems to be, not, I want to say the best way, but seemingly an effective way to get things done, or that's how it feels for the people who are angry. Right. But I don't know if that's true, right? Gandhi tried to show yeah. us. Uh, Chief, uh, uh, Chief Jerry Daniels, yeah. though. Right, they uh, they're having round dances to shut down the Trans Canada Highway right yep. now, and to raise awareness before the Manito- the Manitoba election. So nonviolent. And yep. they, I guess the thing is that if I if I go out and I buy a nice suit, and even if we were just talking to Dr. Jennifer Brandt, so even if I go and get my doctorate and I go and do all the things I'm supposed to do, and yeah. I get a nice suit, and I might even get elected like Romeo Saganash and or, or like Jody Wilson-Raybould, yep. and I might you know be in a position of good standing even in spite of all of that. I'm going to be dismissed ultimately mm-hmm. at the end of the day that mm-hmm. my message isn't really going to be listened to and that no one's going to hear it. So it is unfortunate that it takes a round dance on a highway that it takes. I don't know more, you know, mm-hmm. having a, having an event in someone's food court, you know, ruining, yep. ruining their subway to yep. be heard. But that's still, that's still the society we live in that that's, that's what we have to resort to mm-hmm. because when we put on the suits and when we try the traditional approach, it's not accepted or it's mm-hmm. not, you know, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Like Patty, uh, again, Crocs has said on her, uh, on her podcast that the closer you get to a power structure, the more you conform to that power structure. Yeah. 
Right, like it's too hard. It's actually too hard to infiltrate and change from within. You end up sort of just becoming part of the system. Yep, exactly. Yep. Hmm. Exactly. And our ways, even according to Canadian law, like Regina versus Sparrow, like the, the Supreme Court ruling that would really help get the white paper uh, removed from the legislature was that our laws do exist outside of the Canadian system. There's mm-hmm. a legal precedent. Canada's highest court and its brightest academic mind sat down and said, where do Indigenous laws come from? They come from a completely separate place than Canadian right. laws. So we have this space that we've always had and yet we're under the influence of the dominant society. So it puts us in a really complex place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of that, that legislation and all that and the government. So when Canada, Canada Day comes around every year, um, I've heard it's not the greatest time for Indigenous people in the sense that it, it sort of brings up all that that's under the surface, the history of everything. And how should how do Canadians... I guess indigenous and non-indigenous. How should they look at Canada Day or or celebrate it or or not celebrate? Imagine if you had an abusive spouse, right? And maybe it happened in the past. Maybe it's still ongoing, but not everybody knows everything that's happening. Imagine you get invited to that abusive spouse's birthday mm-hmm. to celebrate how wonderful they are. <laughs> yeah, right. That's that's where we are with Canada Day, <laughs> yeah. right? Like it's been really complex, yeah, a complex, sure. but mostly abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. And yet they're like, hey, why don't you come out with a big drum exactly. and you know, dress up? And- we'll give you $200. But- yeah, right? Mm-hmm. So that's sort of where we are, is that like we're, we're supposed to celebrate this. But remember this thing that happened 150 years ago, this mm-hmm. thing that happened 50 years ago mm-hmm. the, with the missing and murdered Indigenous women yeah. inquiry, this mm-hmm. thing that happened last week. Yeah. yeah. So it seems like um, this the solutions are more of a coming together and meeting in the middle rather than like a let's go cancel Canada Day initiative? Is it more of a let's educate each other, uh, maybe incorporate other things into Canada Day or, or does it need an entire overhaul? I mean, Canadians can celebrate Canada Day. I mean, good for them. Congratulations. <laughs> you, right. You're 153 years old. That's that's allowed. Uh-huh. Um, just take the indigenous nature out of it. Do you know what I mean? Don't don't and also so, don't mix it together yeah, at all. Like don't for have, me, I wouldn't mix it together. I mean, right. my, all my friends who sing and dance, who get paid lots of money on Canada Day, they're gonna disagree with me. But like, have you ever taken a Canada Canada yeah, Day yeah, gig? Yeah, two years okay. ago. Oh yeah, yeah? what yeah. did you do? For well, it? we dance right. So okay. I'm part of a singing and dancing group. So we danced at Rennie Park in Portaluzzi. Mm-hmm. Um, Our youth drum did I think that same gig. Oh, okay. I think we did it that same day because Rennie Park, they're, they're you know, it, and we had a long conversation about, do we take this money? Do we come? Right. And so we agreed that for Musquezibi, it's the youth drum for the 48 Native Friendship Center. Any of the money that goes towards Musquezibi gets redistributed amongst the youth mm. group. Makes so sense, that, yeah. Well, it's altruistic mm-hmm. and it's not like we're going to walk out with a hundred bucks in our pocket each, yeah. you know, like we'll, we'll take this money and we'll put it back into youth programming, which is always underfunded and they can always use more stuff for our youth and, and invest in them. But we just felt dirty after yeah. uh-huh. it's, I mean, we're, we're still, <laughs> we're still in an abusive relationship, like right. with Canada. Yeah. It's ongoing. Yeah. Like right. it, it has not, not been resolved. Truth and reconciliation is not over. No. So I wanted to ask about that too. So what is broadly reconciliation and where has it come, uh, where are we at with it and where do we still need to go? That's what non-Indigenous Canadians need to decide on. Yeah. Like, we we can't oh, okay. possibly write it. Another- <laughs> so there's not like an ask? That there's a, Is there specific asks that are not being met? Oh, sure. Oh, there's, two, oh, okay. there's over 200 recommendations. Yeah. Oh, okay. So there's... Okay. Murder I mean, Indigenous Women Inquiry and then there, there's the 94 recommendations from, from the Truth and Reconciliation yeah. Commission. And so is it piecemeal being given sort of like this Trudeau government sort of piecemeal been, yeah. been handling it but not enough? Quite I mean, say. I am of the belief that we can't even talk about truth and reconciliation until indigenous people are at the same level as Canadians. So indigenous people are chronically underfunded in all regards, education, Mm -hmm. health, right? There's a concept called Jordan's principle. And what Jordan's principle states is that while a sick child is in a provincial hospital, they're going to do what's best for this child, meaning they're going to give them the funds needed to get get um, fixed or cured or or the resources needed. The reason that principle exists is because the Canadian government and the provincial government fought amongst each other about this child who was in a hospital in Canada and his child died. 
mm-hmm. right? So the very reason this chi- this principle exists is because an indigenous child died in a provincial hospital because the provincial and federal government were arguing over money. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if this was a non-indigenous person? Right. Right. So we can't talk about truth and reconciliation until we're at the same same playing. We're on the same playing field we're, until we're equal. Um, boil water. Wa- boil water advisories are still in existence right for right? unsafe uh, yeah water yeah people cannot drink from their taps they cannot shower they they cannot um use hot water when showering because that opens up your pores and the bacteria yeah. in that's going to go into your now is that like nation is that northern ontario more specifically or is that no, no. all yeah, I mean, the different six provinces nations still has six, six nations. nations still has some which yeah, is 40 minutes away it's, it's or whatever, right? so because the treaties are with the federal government yeah. but because the provincial government has oversight of things like clean water okay it's it's a fight over who's going to pay for it mm-hmm. like, right canada has the resources it wouldn't like even if it costs hundreds of millions of dollars that's a blip in the 300 plus billion dollar budget of, of right, canada right, 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 right. so but it's fighting over the federal government says the provincial government should pay for it, the provincial government says the federal government should pay for it so that's one piece of the puzzle is is the the conjunction yeah. of the governments and the speed at which they operate right. in that i mean but that's the whole core of jordan's yeah. principle was that oh, someone yeah. someone so, literally had to die to, while the while the governments were fighting over which level of government would pay for it? Yeah. But then it manifests in the exact same problem with drinking water. It's mm. the it's the exact same argument. Mm-hmm. Should the feds pay for it? Yeah. Should the province pay, pay for it? How's it going to work? But so meanwhile, while they're having these debates, mm. our communities are without clean yeah. drinking water. People are dying. Yeah. While we wait. Mm-hmm. But you know what the federal government and provincial government can agree upon? Mm. Canada Games twenty twenty one. Mm-hmm. Right, we can we can get twenty nine million dollars from the provincial government. We can get yeah. thirty million dollars from the federal government. Private donations are going to kick in another thirty million dollars. So we have a hundred million dollar cause that we can come together and surround because it's a revenue Ex- producer or well, I mean, popular. But is it so? I don't I know. Mean, it, I mean, don't they don't yeah, the they cities make a lot of money when they, they run the? I mean, the cities generate short term money. If you're in the hotel industry, yeah, you're going to make a couple hundred extra dollars for this month. Yeah, but like if you go to any city that has ever hosted the Olympics, yeah. or anything to that effect, it's a ghost town after. Yeah, right, go to Vancouver. The city was practically bankrupt after the. Olympics. Oh really? See, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or look at Brazil. Yeah, yeah even Brazil. Brazil like doesn't have money to to scrape together for basic social services for for citizens yeah for but sure they pumped out billions of dollars yeah. which to host the olympics yeah don't yeah, get me yeah. wrong i'm a huge sports fan yeah. huge sports fan i love all sports i love appreciating sports i'm just saying why can't we have both why can't we have a hundred million dollars dedicated to this event fair do it yeah but we're people at the root cause of it we are people i have two children who are going to grow up and who are going to see this and they should not grow up feeling less than. As a father, I will fight. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, sorry, the anger's coming in. No, no, that's good. That's good. I, one thing when it comes to um, sort of the conservative liberal views on regulation and, and budgeting and, and how much money goes to where, I know that's such a big thing these days. And I, I never understand, although I'm maybe a little center-right on a lot of yeah. things, I don't really understand, like, say, Ford's cut to... Um, public health stuff like uh because in my view if the conservative angle is to save money and balance budgets and be conservative Mm. with economics uh sometimes it's it's evident that when you spend some money up front you save money in the long term and i don't quite investing i don't quite understand what how how they don't see like if you uh cut public health your public health is preventative Mm -hmm. for example or like the clean water thing would be preventative of future costs. So mm-hmm. I don't see there's a disconnect there for me and yeah. I don't know how to well, figure that that's one out. What, like, <laughs> the, these things will have to be paid for at some point. And that, I mean, you're not, hopefully we're never going to live in a territory that just lets people die yeah. due to such inhumane conditions. But that is, that is a good point. I, I was the court worker for the native center for, for a year and a half mm-hmm. and the cuts to legal aid, there was $130 million cut to mm-hmm. legal aid after legal aid had already set its budget for the 2019 2020 year and they were told to take 30 percent off the top they were said they said we're just gutting this service that you provide right. so that's a prime example of how okay you're going to save some upfront money on lawyers to the tune of millions of dollars but guess what happens to people they go they can't get a lawyer from legal aid they end up in the court many of these people are indigenous people including indigenous people that have worked with they can't get legal advice because the clinic they would have gone to to get the help has now been canceled yeah they end up saying you know what i'm just going to plea 
to get this out of the way. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to do my 10 days or whatever. And guess how expensive it is. It, mm-hmm. The 10 days or whatever that they spend in custody actually works out on the balance sheet to cost more money because it's very expensive to incarcerate people and to put them into custody. So that's a prime example of how somebody just went in with a pen and yeah. started like slashing away, not realizing that the $30 million you saved up front is going to cost hundreds of millions. And so I guess sometimes I think, is that just to appease a certain base group of voters that see the cuts and they go, oh, wow, they're, they're doing what we want them to do, but they don't think deep enough to realize. Well, it's playing to the uneducated when it comes down to it. And I, I mean, no disrespect to conservative well, actually, I do. Sorry. <laughs> Sean doesn't like it. I redo. Sean doesn't like I really yeah. do. I mean, because yeah. what it is, is conservatism, in my opinion, is just laziness. Um, take the time to, like you said, you might be center right. Yeah. But you have at least acknowledged that by cutting this, the costs have to come somewhere. It might not be now, but it's still a later. Yeah. So when they say these buzzwords like, I'm balancing the budget. Okay, you're balancing the budget or now. Or slashing costs or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's like a one level deep thinking. It's not like exactly. two or three steps of thinking to realize. But, yeah. but, but like you said, it's not about calling everybody stupid. But I think there simply just are, there's a large swath of the population that just doesn't doesn't think deep enough on it mm-hmm. like we all or vote, think think it all on it doesn't think it all yeah, yeah yeah politics is still like what you're raised to not talk about sex yeah politics and money right? right at the dinner table these are conversations you don't have yeah well we need to overcome these barriers and we need to start talking about sex politics and money for sure right yeah. like taking it back to racism for people that don't want to talk about racism because it's too complicated yeah we're never going to have that luxury like sean and i will not have that luxury ever right we don't get to opt in or out of the racism like we'll just be walking down the street and people will see us differently treat us differently act differently around us and we can't just go oh you know what i'm not really in the mood for this so i'm gonna opt out yeah and i'll deal with it when i'm ready it's you can't do that decide when we're ready so that's that's what I think makes all of these political issues tough is that they're, they're difficult and people don't want to deal with them. And we live in a sort of everything now society yeah. to a certain degree. And while it's inconvenient, it's still important. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of uh, racism, I, I, I had a recent experience of white privilege. And it's funny because, um, you know, a lot of people will try to say it doesn't exist or diminish it or whatever. And like, it's funny when you directly experience it and you're just like, okay. That's a real thing. I had his job interview. I won't mention who or where it was, and it was it was uh, not my current employer. Uh, no disrespect to them. <laughs> it was some interview for something, and the guy literally said to me that he wanted to hire me because because I was Caucasian, and I was like, you can't you can't say that. That's not really like you know. But at the time, what do what do I say? Right, like. It's kind of, if you're in the interview and you want yeah. the thing, you're just sitting there and he says that to you and you're like, okay, I think he just means, I don't know what he means, but, you know, and it's <laughs> weird because, like, it's just a fact that, that that is a thing. But I think as a white person, too, you don't, like we were going back to, or to go back to what we were saying about is there racist or is there just a lot of people who are blind to, yeah. to that bias or whatever, yeah. right? And so that can happen a lot where... Uh, you're just not you're not really conscious of it like it's a thing that's there but until and it's sometimes i guess maybe people get so defensive about it because when they're when it comes up or when they're they feel attacked almost Mm -hmm. when they say oh it's your white privilege and they oh don't attack my identity yeah kind of thing and then it's like a pushback on it yeah but i think if you just sit back and think like it clearly Mm -hmm. is a thing whether it's a little bit or a lot like uh, white people experience it all the time like you know there's a white fragility uh, podcast that's part of a Globe and Mail. They, uh, I think it's called Color Code. Mm-hmm. They did a, a whole podcast series on the different elements of racism, and they talked about white fragility. And what they got was they got a radio host in Vancouver or BC. <coughs> I'm so sorry. Who had, <laughs> I'm sick. who had um, said and done something overtly racist, didn't catch it, yeah, and when confronted with it, like just imploded, like completely imploded. And in the podcast, they, they break down the whole process of how it's sort of, it, it, it's, again, until you see it happening, it is difficult to believe that it Did exists. he implode as in, like, get get upset about it or just feel bad about what His he did? His defensiveness or? ended up oh, aggravating, just, yeah. aggravating oh, okay. the situation. So, so yeah, yeah. He, he said something racist. He was called out for saying something racist. Yeah. And then that automatically triggered the, I'm not a racist. I'm not, I'm yeah. not Hitler. 
right? Right, like, right. He gets I'm not, all, yes. you know, I'm not yes. a Nazi. I'm right, not right, all right. these things. Which may be true that he's with. not Hitler or a Nazi, yeah, but he still, isn't. he needs to recognize probably what what he said and yeah. did yeah. and the effect well, of it. So I have a direct relation to this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like cool. two days ago yeah. like on Twitter yeah. with a friend of ours who said, made a racist tweet, yeah. called him out on it. And then he, his only response is, "I'm not racist." Right, 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 right. right? right. And, and, <laughs> oh yeah. And, yeah. and like, look, I'm this guy is a is a friend. I thought was for a friend. I'm right. like, no, it's racist. You you literally said what you said. Textbook definition of racist. And then he doubled down very much what you mm-hmm. just said. He's like, no, yeah. I stand by my remarks. Yeah. Okay. This is not racist because and he gave me A B C D. Right. And then the third response was he blocked me on Twitter, okay. deleted me from Facebook, and... Um, That's official, then. You're no longer friends. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right, right. I mean, if you're listening, <laughs> come back. <laughs> that's why you killed it, though, Derek. Yeah. Like, when you when you acknowledge your own privilege, that's the toughest thing to do. Um, I didn't realize how much male privilege I had yeah. until I started talking to actual feminists. Mm-hmm. Like, I just thought... I thought to myself, I'm indigenous, I'm marginalized, and that's it. And then I realized, oh, wait a minute, I'm still yeah. a male, and I still, like, they're just our benefits. There are things about being a guy where I'm not called to task, and women are called to task yeah. all the time. For sure, for sure. Or being young versus an old person, like, yeah, ages. And sure. There's a funny episode of The Office where yeah. that's a topic. But, um, <laughs> yeah, and it, I do see, like, okay, it's one thing to get carried away with... Um, calling out every single little thing that you can about a person or like like the woke olympics or all that stuff it it can get very well it's like mario right where they say when you go on the one end of the screen you come back on the other end of the screen that thing it's this loop where you get so critical of things that you start to be um you start to basically argue against yourself or these groups tend to argue against one another and they just sort of like just the the left eating its own that's what they call it right i guess like when you when you get so far to one edge of it but um it's interesting who who here's a question who was more racist uh trump saying pocahontas or warren saying that she was native american and then being one one thousandths one thousandths <laughs> well warren owned her comments yeah yeah, I, fr- I didn't really like, follow exactly. What she, did, did she, she make an apology? She apologized, oh. and then she reached out to the Cherokee Tribal Nation directly to yeah. to say, you know, what I'm sorry. And are there I some really that don't accept up. the apology? Because because there's they, definitely they couldn't accept it. No, yeah, they. But I, I mean, I think that uh, Trump, yeah. clearly is yeah. the more <laughs> racist of the two. But in that sense, right? Because he was calling her. Well, actually, the Pocahontas comment was before the DNA test, was it not? Yes. But it's because she made the claims and he's yes. just like... Yeah. Well, it's because she benefited, right? Yeah. Right. right. Okay. So, yeah, so yeah, she yeah. said she was... Uh, was it Cherokee? She said she was Cherokee while she was in university. And there may or may not have been some job opportunities or funding that opened up because of her indigenous... Because indigen- of that. Yeah, that's what indigen- it was. Yeah. But what makes Trump racist is they were honoring the Navajo code talkers who played a significant part of World War II. Yeah. Right? So when we talk about America's greatness... America's greatness usually gets sent back to World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at this time... The Great War. The Great War, exactly. So Trump is acknowledging these Navajo co-talkers co- yeah, who actually yeah. fought World War II and then said something along the lines of, oh, we have our own uh, Indian princess in Congress. We call her Pocahontas. He said this in front of these veterans who, yeah, uh, who dedicated yeah. his li- their lives... Uh, well, d- just so you guys know, I've already predicted the election outcome, yeah. and I'm saying it. I've been saying it lately, just so that I can okay. know yeah. it's going to be Warren. You think Elizabeth Warren's going to win? Oh, yeah, isn't it Biden? Isn't he the safe? No, guy? he's too many gaffes last week. He's yeah. said, poor kids going to be as smart as white kids. And all these <laughs> things. Yeah, text uh, <laughs> Joe uh, We watched that live, and I was like, what did he just say? Yeah. <laughs> Go to Joe three o three o. Yeah, no, but uh, I don't know. I'm just kind of tongue-in-cheek but i'm just uh last time i made a bet that uh hillary clinton would win and i bet my buddy 100 bucks and of course i lost so yeah. this time i'm trying to recoup my losses yeah. and uh i think that trump's gonna lose the reason i say that is i basically parrot this guy i listen to peter chef i kind of steal his predictions because a lot of what he says comes true with the yeah. economy and stuff yeah. so uh he says that because there's a crash there's a recession worse than 08 coming yeah. before the next election uh, election and that because trump has owned the economy uh, even though it was a bubble and, and all mm-hmm. this, and that it's going to come crashing down, he's going to be blamed uh, during the next year mm-hmm. before the election, and the the free stuff promising and whatnot mm-hmm. from the left is going to is going to plus just people being sick of him yeah. is going to mm-hmm. overcome uh, that. So 
that's just it's not really technically mine but i'm adopting that prediction so if it's real just so everybody knows i said it here but it makes sense right like trump owned the economy but well, he said it was bullshit when Obama... He said it was exactly. a bubble, and then when he got in, he said, look how great it is. Exactly. It doesn't make sense. Well, the, the economy isn't that reactive. No, there's a lag. You know there's I mean? lagging indicators. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. like, now we're going to face Trump's lagging, which is going to result in... <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's what they've shown, though. Like, studies are shown time and time again that presidents get elected or thrown out of office mm-hmm. based largely on economic things yeah. that they had right. no influence on. Yeah. Like, the Clintons inherited the uh, tech bubble. Yeah, like they did nothing to other than Al Gore inventing the internet. Yes, <laughs> thank you, Al Gore, <laughs> which he didn't do. <laughs> but but maybe that, he did, though. But maybe he really maybe, did. Maybe, but they they really had nothing directly to do with the tech bubble. But because it happened, it, the economy was like roaring. Boom. Yeah, that's an interesting thing where the, the politicians get um, praise or blame for something that's like within a year or two yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. Like it's like things just don't really work that yeah. fast. I, the, this Peter Schiff guy, he talks more about the Federal Reserve and the yeah. inter- interest rates and that. So his dad was actually a famous tax evader and died in prison mm-hmm. for not paying his taxes so um he's kind of an interesting guy he's a libertarian uh kind of guy mm-hmm. and more conservative and whatnot but uh interesting economic stuff he's kind of a gold bug mm-hmm. uh he's all about buying gold and stuff yeah. and uh, against bitcoin saying it's gonna you know it's yeah. gonna go to zero or it very well could go I mean, to zero your and, currency needs to be backed by something something so. something amanda, amanda lang is on before us and i was listening to her when we were driving yeah i did she a little bit too to an economist yeah that was basically saying like we used every trick within the economist handbook yes to, to survive the 2008 because it was both a, a recession and it was a panic, I think they said, mm. uh, or I, I forget what they called it, but they had two basic economic anomalies that happened at the same time. So right. they call out all of the tricks to yep. stop it from happening. If it were to happen again, there's nothing that can be done. Yeah. So basically Peter Schiff's whole thing is that what's coming next is actually what should have come in 08, but the, the twisting of the knobs and the dialing of the knobs from the, from, from the reserve and whatnot and the, and the policy is they tried to cover the pain, but he says it's no pain, no gain. He mm-hmm. said we sh- we recession is is good to go into, but you need to feel that pain to then come out on top. Mm-hmm. If you if you try to tweak it too much, and this is I guess the Austrian school of economics mm-hmm. versus the Keynesian, if you try to tweak it too much with interest ro- rates and whatnot, that it it just doesn't work yeah. out. I guess, and that it's a, sort of a false uh, recovery. And that, that it's just going to make the next one worse. But it's interesting to see if the guy's predictions come true. Because he predicted 08 and he was laughed at, you know, called crazy and this and that. So I, I just like guys that are around like that where they call stuff and they're right. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. It's kind of Nostradamus kind of guys. But. Uh, so Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> yeah. 2020. Maybe. I mean, or maybe, maybe Sanders. I don't know. Sanders? Would you think they would Sanders run got together? Sanders people that resent him from yeah. what happened with Hillary. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. It's, I think that he's got too much baggage. He's expanding the base. And I, I love Bernie. I love Bernie. If I'm, I'm a Yang Gang guy, personally. <laughs> Even though I see, I call myself center right, but that's not really that accurate. Like, I like Andrew Yang. Well, he's pretty left on a yeah. lot of things, like basic income and all that. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I guess I just don't like the labels, anyways. Well, know? I mean, yeah, I agree. I'd be worn. I'm yeah. past the Cherokee thing. <laughs> yeah. Like I think yeah. it's wrong, but I think she owned it. I think she'll continue to own it. Yeah. But I, I like I'd like Warren so that we can get back to policy, like back to having like her motto, I got a plan for that. I love it. She really does. I have got a plan for that. They're, plans. they were making jokes about that that she's got a you know I don't know, it was on Bill Maher or something, they're making jokes that she's got a plan for, you know, <laughs> lunch and whatever. Like every every little like every little little thing. <laughs> But, that's uh, what you're supposed to do, though. Like yeah. that's that's why even electoral politics, mm-hmm. you're catering to people to want to support you. Mm-hmm. But like you just said about economics, no pain, no gain. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you do things that are good for society but that are unpopular? Right, 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 right. Like if someone doesn't see uh, the long, like we're talking about short and long term yep. effects of mm-hmm. things. If if there's a long twenty year effect of something that's going to benefit, but the voter doesn't see that. Yeah. Then, Indigenous issues yeah. are a prime one. Like that's not a it's not a big vote getter. But if Canada wants to call itself a true, fair, and noble nation, then it needs to do something about the grave injustices that have been committed against Indigenous people, even if they're not popular. Yeah. And, and I would say three of the four major parties are on board with that. But if the Blue Party gets in, they're going to go, oh, nope, not popular. Oh, they interesting. Wait at least yeah. four years. Mm-hmm. I've actually I've voted NDP the last two times, and I oddly enough, again, that I say center-right or whatever, I might vote for them again just mm-hmm. because... I like Jasmine, and I and yeah. I don't um, 
I don't know. I, even the last election, I kind of saw the liberals and conservatives as copying a lot of mm-hmm. each other's policies. Um, is there a lot of political diversity within indigenous people? I mean, there's what is there five, six hundred different bands or tribes yeah. even in in Canada? So there's got to be some political diversity, no? Yeah, or, there, there's. Yeah. There's people who follow politics and there's people who don't. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, is there like conservative indigenous people or is, is mean, that like a small, small, small? Yeah, they, they have uh, 10 of the 60 candidates running in the Manitoba election mm-hmm. uh, are of indigenous ancestry, I believe yeah. our, your friend Pallister said. Right? He's your buddy, right? Oh yeah, we're best friends. Yeah. <laughs> He's so, a premier. Is a premier? Premier? Yeah, he's a yeah, premier of Manitoba. Manitoba. But that's yeah. a, it le- is it a... L- uh, conservative. Yeah, oh, conservative it is conservative. Yeah. Manitoba, yeah. 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 So how do you square that up? You don't. They don't get invited to Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> but there are there are people that are across the spectrum. Yeah. Like, there there's Republican, Indigenous people. I think there's still, like, one still with Trump. Like, I think there's probably one. Yeah, that's, that's that. interesting to me, too. But there, there, no, there is a caucus. Like, there's a Republican, Indigenous I mean, caucus. It, None of them have office or anything. But oh. It's hard. Like, I mean, be, like, on... <laughs> at the the easiest way is like indigenous worldviews are all about inclusion right we are firm believers and it takes a fan, a community to raise a child right so in the simplest terms that's essentially what the left is is that community approach to raise a child um mainstream society um and the dem- democracy that it is canada right-wing society is all about the individual right mm-hmm. it is the i'm gonna work my butt off or i can, I can swear right we're on a podcast sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm used to being on the radio i'm gonna work my ass off <laughs> yeah. to to uh to accomplish the goal for my children right right i'm going to do whatever i can uh, accumulate all the wealth and i'm going to save it and hand it off to my children that completely is contrast to what we believe in um so how do you reconcile indigenous people who vote conservative i mean on that premise alone, you don't. Mm-hmm. They, they've kind of gone off, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you identify as conservative, then you lose all indigenous credibility. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, it's, and it's okay, don't get me wrong. It is okay to be fiscally responsible. Right. Um, it's okay to be into economics. That is fine. Um, and those used to be the things that conservatives... And that was, yeah, that's yeah. what set, set us apart. Have have to play to these cultural niches yeah the cultural thing has become a big part of it and it's um swear off the yellow vest guys because you need their votes yeah you don't really want to embrace their ways yeah. but yeah i don't even know how many people actually vote with their actual political spectrum i uh position i feel like people so many people just vote based on personality or if the guy has a mustache or not yeah. or like some some weird ra- thing that like they like relatability right? yeah, or like how people like trump like some people some people who voted for trump just oh, i could go for a beer with him right yeah. like that's a thing that people mm-hmm. <laughs> well and, and that's it like there's paul like uh wayne gates he's a politician of, of good the, mustache, of the mustache. Yeah. yeah yeah like people love him simply because it's of iconic. his iconic it's like stalin exactly of. yeah right yeah. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> they, have, they have buttons and it's just an orange <laughs> circle with a mustache yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah. And no words and everyone knows that's gates yeah like who is Gatesy, that right? So good. Yeah, right yeah but that's it is <laughs> they don't worry about their policy they don't worry about what they stand for or what political party they are they vote because they like him they vote because they like the mustache mm-hmm. um one of, of our one of our more popular podcasts is where sean and i talk about why sean votes and why why i don't vote yeah so i was just gonna I ask am, you about that Let's i go am ahead. gonna throw it out there that the ungway people like traditional haudenosaunee longhouse people we we don't vote Going back to what I was saying about how our ways exist completely outside of the Canadian system, yep. like going all the way back to the Dutch, actually the two row wampum, all the way back yep. to like 1613, mm-hmm. we made that wampum, and the Dutch didn't do great on it, <laughs> and then the British took it over, and they didn't do great on it either, and Canada has not done too great with it either, and neither is the United States. So again, time and time again, we we've been taught that this isn't a partnership between brothers even the colonial Uh, language when when canadians and or canadians forebears the british were first making treaties they use language like brothers we're brothers and we're going at this deal and in the later treaties our father the king and our sons the indians are now entering into this treaty so we we've seen that the system isn't going to conform to our way so Mm -hmm. the confederacy of chiefs the Haudenosaunee confederacy of chiefs exists completely outside of the canadian legislative system Mm -hmm. we've had that system of governance for hundreds of years that pre the United States and Canada most definitely and we want to keep it forever largely because our democracy is 
participatory. So as a member of the Hawatsada Bear Clan of the Oneida Nation of the Six Nations Haudenosaunee Confederacy, I have a responsibility 365 days out of the year to uphold the process and traditions of my people, not to show up once every four years, decide who has the coolest mustache yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and you know, phone in a ballot and then walk away. <laughs> but then Sean, Sean does vote. He yes, does sir. participate. So I view it as we are in a war. And you have given me the opportunity to to make use of your weapons, right? So if we were to go back 100, 200 years ago, right, whatever weapons we had at hand, now I have your weapons, yeah. right? I'm going to beat you with your weapons. Right. I'm going to do what I can. I don't care, no disrespect, I don't care about <laughs> how you view me. It doesn't matter if you think by me participating in your democracy means that I'm a sellout or whatever the case may be. Call it what you will. Call yeah. me a sellout. But guess what? At the end of the day... I'm going to get what I want. Right. So, so you, you have words, but I have actions. You right. are what you do, though. So when you participate in the Canadian electoral system, you become a part of that system. You're a bad and person, is what fair. you're saying. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not necessarily saying that, but at what point do you become complicit? It's, it's like that same conflict of when you're at the mm. family gathering and mm. Uncle Racist rolls in. Yeah. At what point do you call him out? Sometimes to your own detriment. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's the same thing, I think, with participating in the Canadian electoral system. Mm. That to Canada has decided that First Nations issues, by and large, aren't enough of a priority. Mm -hmm. That there's been substantive change in our lifetimes. There's been progress, and there have mm. been things that I'm grateful yeah. for. Things like our radio show are, yeah. are a small testament to, mm -hmm. to society changing. Mm -hmm. And the fact that people want to listen to Sean and I yeah. <laughs> just because they're Indigenous is, is something that just wouldn't happen 50 years ago. Right. But in spite of all of that, it's it hasn't become a wholesale part of Canada's values. So by participating in their elections, we become a little complicit in what happens. Yeah, no. You voted for Trudeau. Even as a, as a non-Indigenous person, I sometimes think, I don't want to participate in elections. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I mean, there's a direct correlation between Indigenous participation in Canadian democracy and Indigenous issues on the rise. Like, more and more people get involved, more and more things get accomplished. Mm. That being said, we're not where we should be. You're, I get it. We're, we're going too slow. Hmm. Um, You're making the Elijah Harper argument, though. Yes. If Elijah Harper doesn't run as, I think he was an NDP yeah. at the time, but if he doesn't run in the Manitoba legislature and if he doesn't put a kibosh yeah. to um, the constitution that, was, that was going to be imposed, yeah, Meech Lake was going to impose on Indigenous people, if we don't have that one voice inside of the legislature, then he's not able to stop this constitutional change that's mm -hmm. absolutely horrific for, for Indigenous, indigenous people. people, which is why... I'm, I hope Wob becomes the premier. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't vote for him if I was in Manitoba, mm -hmm. but I, I liked the idea of Jody Wilson-Raybould as the attorney general. I thought that was cool as mm -hmm. all hell that she mm -hmm. got that job. I think it'd be great if Wob's a premier, but that's still not my system. I'm mm -hmm. not, not going to do it. I can't. Mm. So that was a topic today on your guys' show a little bit. You're talking about uh, uh, the the relationship with, with Trudeau and the, the recent um, findings with the ethics committee. Um, there's I saw a picture of them hugging each other when she got the job mm. you know good buddies and now i guess like this all this all unfolded um so you think her indigenous um uh identity contributed to would you say that it was a, f a factor in what happened between them what happened between them between trudeau and her or do you think that was Does she have integrity like because she's wagwa wakwak or like did he did he take advantage of her identity in any way in in her position and the way he pressured her or is that am i reaching am i woman? reaching for well, was she a token mean, woman and a token indigenous minister so is that the million that's I, the million I, dollar I, so I, I can't speak to why she was selected but in hindsight he has clearly said not even in hindsight he has said that there were more qualified people who could have been attorney general so if there were more qualified people then you were trying to get the women indigenous vote Mm. You know is that mean? one of his angles I, I don't know yeah yeah so like when trudeau came into power he celebrated the fact that he had the most gender balanced cabinet yeah, right right all right. all through right and that he appointed two or three people who were indigenous so not only did i have the male female but he had, he had the indigeneity vote he had the um the, there's people with their disabilities who were in his cabinet there were um other racialized people in his cabinet so he balanced that mm-hmm but the moment she leaves, he's he's going going on the record saying that well, there's other people who could have done the job better. Right. So, 
Trudeau, where do you really stand? Right. It seems the, I don't know if flip floppy is the word, but yeah. a little, uh, like you said in the show today, like stand up for, just stay with your original yeah. Yeah. position. I mean, don't have some balls. Yeah. <laughs> like, have some you balls. Know, like just do your job, commit to it. Say what yeah. you mean, mean what you say yeah. and all that. Yeah. yeah like yeah. own it right or wrong. Own it. Mm. Right. This is why we elected you. We didn't elect you to flip flop. Like I voted for Trudeau. I did. I campaigned for Trudeau. I I almost did. I campaigned with, with, with Chris Biddle and yeah, no, like, I don't know. I just disappointed. Is there any chance you're going to vote for Trudeau? No. 100% not. How much is what he did to Jody Wilson-Raybould an element in that? A lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I kind of wish-washed on the radio about it a bit about, but no, it's huge. Like, this is an indigenous woman who has done her job, who has met all the requirements. If there's a checklist, she she checked them all off, um, and pretty much threw her under the bus. He says, "I acknowledge this report, but I don't accept it. I'm not going to apologize for my actions." Right. And that and that's it. That he's a person of privilege, mm-hmm. who has essentially doubled down on his privilege. And the defense is, I stood up for Canadian jobs, yeah, economics. Exactly. SNC Lavalon, man, not 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 good guys. I uh, I got a friend who lives in Libya, and so he's he's kind of abreast on all that uh, yeah. Gaddafi stuff and whatnot that went on. Now in other countries like that, especially, it's you know the bribery and all that is normal. Yeah, it's not weird. But when we hear about all the prostitutes and this and that, that they mm-hmm. that's the way they do business. Yeah. So you have to play the game if you're going to be on the world stage, sort of with these yeah. oddball countries like Libya that are just these weird regimes that that's just how they play ball but now is that an excuse for you know to excuse this company of these criminal acts and whatnot and i mean that's that's the nature of business right example negra college has a school in saudi arabia and in saudi arabia they 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 segregate the schools between men and women right right right. so negra college being both graduates of negra college advocates for negra college consistently promoting negra college are we complicit? In, yeah, that's a tough situation, right? And, and or even just on? the U.S. relationship yeah. with Saudi is always a topic of you exactly know, uh, how, how can we how can we have this good relationship yeah. when this country doesn't do things the way that we sort of agree with, yeah. right? But it's weird because there's only one world, and these countries just exist. And it's, on some level, you have to I don't want to say accept, but just, I guess like I said earlier, play the game well, with well, them in the simplest form. It's going to dinner with your your racist uncle. Yeah. At what point do you call them out? Which, by the way, why is no one's dad ever racist? So he's an uncle. <laughs> that's a good point. Dad's racist. You're probably racist. Yeah, too. that's true. Is that how it goes? <laughs> uh, you know, I had this. There's this funny Louis C.K. joke about calling people Indians or Native American. Have you guys heard it? I, I wanted so. to play for you to see if you guys heard it before. Uh, it's pretty uh, funny. I'll play it. I've seen this one. Have you? Yeah, seen yeah, it? Yeah, is yeah, it funny? It was on Facebook for a while. My favorite one is... Everything that we introduce to the world is shitty. Meaning white people. <laughs> because... I really think that white people are from like another planet. Because we, like, when we came to America, it was so nice. It was just Indians. And they weren't even Indians. <laughs> we called them that by accident. <laughs> and we still call them that. <laughs> by stupidity, just to be clear. It wasn't Indians, but we just don't give a shit. <laughs> we never correct it. We came here, and they were like, hi. And we're like, hey, you're Indians, right? And they're like, no. <laughs> no, this is India, right? No, it's not. It's totally, totally other place. <laughs> you're not Indians? No. <laughs> ah, you're Indians. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that, that, I just think that's funny. <coughs> it, it's it's a, obviously comedy, but it yeah. it does make you think like the terms and stuff that we use. Because in, in the States, don't they often in, in legislation and, and even in common speak still say American Indian? Yeah. And it's not even... Is that as offensive? I don't think it's as offensive to indigenous people down there than it is up here, is it? No, it's it's it's, it's a, more of an a, the accepted a, term. A, yeah, an accepted vernacular. But that's not up, up here. You don't say that, right? Like if you say Indian in Canada, you're like, come on. Well, or does it still? We, call, we, we can call ourselves yeah. Indian. Uh, now that's right. interesting to me because, right. like, and this may be a bigger non Indians yeah. can't call us like, Indians. Deke, you can't call us Indians. Yeah, oh, like, shit. So I need to change promotion for the show. Yeah, I need to change yeah, the yeah, name yeah. of this Deke podcast. Two Indians. <laughs> One dish, two Indians. Yeah. <laughs> but um, um, no, it, it's it's like it opens up the bigger topic about uh, identity and stuff because 
um, yeah, that's just interesting to me that that word because it doesn't geographically doesn't make sense. Right. Yeah. So why still keep it in the well, vernacular? So at all? the craziest thing is, is Carl and I in our pockets right now have two little cards. Let's say you're Indians. That say we're Indians. <laughs> it's, it right. is, we 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 are certified Indians, right? There's certificates of Indian status that we carry with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we're creatures creatures of habits, right? We are we are used to. We grew up with the term Indian, right? So it's more colloquially, it's, it's for you guys to use it or, or on the card or whatever, it's fine. But mm. like, it's just obviously when people in common speak are sort of uh, speaking to you, it doesn't, mm. doesn't make sense to yeah. say that. Yeah. But, uh, well, I, I think that's part of it. Part of it is reclaiming our identity. Yeah. Like, Sean and I are two totally separate types of Indians. Yeah. And that, that's something that, uh, because, because we're racialized, that's the term I like to use instead of colored people or minorities yeah. or anything like that. I, I prefer to use the term racialized mm. because race and uh, race is a white construct and it was constructed by a colonial society and it was done to different groups of people. So going back to the Louis CK video, mm -hmm. like they've sort of gotten to call us whatever they want. So finally, now we're going to reclaim terms like Aboriginal we used for a decade or so. We yep. didn't like that. So we switched it over to Indigenous yep. now. Mm -hmm. And there are people that are like, oh, why can't you just pick one name? And it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, but we didn't pick Indian. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You, can, you can wait while we yeah. work this out amongst ourselves. Do you think Indigenous is going to stick? It's the one. It's for, might as well just. It might, but I would rather be called Oneida. Like, I'm actually Oneida. Oh, so it's more I would specific, rather Sean yeah. be, be called you know, Curve Lake, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it'd be even better if people would learn what specific nation. But like are. you said, that because you you wear your 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 skin color or your whatever every day, the people treat you like that automatically. So it's it's almost like the the gender pronoun thing. It's like mm -hmm. if somebody just runs into someone, how are they gonna? They don't know unless you're wearing a T-shirt that says like yeah him which, him him he Jersey, yeah or all that yeah. stuff that's it but i'm a big fan of the pronouns because yeah. i do think that people should be able to identify oh yeah they want to sure. identify and as somebody that again was racialized and indianized and mm. basically because as louis ck said they just didn't give a we shit we still call right? them that <laughs> <laughs> yeah so for me to be able to reclaim the term that's that's pretty cool, cool. and yeah. when people are patient with that then i know that's an instant level of respect like you have mm. learned to call me indigenous so now all of a sudden we can have a better conversation than if you were still like, oh, what do I call you, people? Yeah. yeah. I, don't I mean, it's a level of respect. I mean, you're putting in a little bit of effort. Yeah. Right? To know that I'm Anishinaabe is for me to know that you're Dutch. Yeah. Right? It's it's really... Also part Scottish and Hungarian. Okay. Uh, also my dad was adopted so by Dutch people, but his real heritage is Hungarian and Scottish. So okay. I got a little bit of red coming in the beard oh. and stuff like that. That's from the Scottish right. thing. Oh, okay. Good to but, know. But, it takes, but again, it takes that 10 seconds to tell yeah. me that. Right? Yeah, yeah. That 10 seconds for you for people to learn. And when you say things like in, in Indian and indigenous, you're just generalizing for us sure. all together. Yeah. Which, I mean, I like being similar to Car Carl, but we're not. We're different. Totally I vote he doesn't, right? Mm -hmm. I fight he doesn't. I'm just joking. But then when, you, when you're in India, you could show your card and exactly. be like, hey, I'm, you could maybe get some stuff over there, yeah, too. Yeah, maybe, maybe we, should, we should, we should go to India. We need to, we need to start a GoFundMe page and take our Send show one dish, one mic, yeah, to, to India. India. Talk to real Indians. Yeah. Has like, anyone thought of that? No, well, we did. I don't think there's ever been an, an, an indigenous podcast in an, India. An Indian Indians in that. India. Which, by the way, do you really only use one mic? There's two mics. No, there's like five mics. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we have all of the mics. If you need some, just let yeah. us know. <laughs> so... What is what is the biggest topic right now that other other than like is there any per, sort of pet topics that you guys are railing on right now that you want more people to know about other than sort of the Trudeau rabel stuff or uh, well the know, election like, like yeah. our, all of our topics are kind of issues of the day for right? sure so the federal election is going to be in October mm -hmm. people we need to get people I which is really soon it's like two yeah. months or, yeah yeah we need to get people out to vote um yeah. Well, ex my, some my people. Extra, some my extra energy goes into food security and the environment. Like those are those are topics security, that yeah. I think are difficult. It's. Um, so are you anti-GMO or pro-GMO then? If we're talking about food security. Well, we we arguably were the first GMO people because we took corn, which is a grass. Thank you. Right? So we this took is corn a, that's a grass, and then yes. we developed it into the white corn that can sustain a whole nation. So it's so nice to hear because I talk to so many people that are that don't understand that concept. Okay. Not that I'm an expert, but I there's a friend of the show, Dr. Kevin Folta. Yeah. He's been on a couple of times, and he's a GMO expert. Yeah. And um, he he talks to me. Uh, he's been on a couple of times. He talks about um, Norman Borlaug and all those guys. And just like, I, I do see a lot of that, uh, you know, 
a disconnect between you want to talk about poverty and food security, but then some people want to rail against GMOs and corporations. But I think there's a harmony there that that is required to feed all the people on, on the earth. And it's not just about uh, you know chemicals. It's 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 like you said, farming, uh, ancient farming practices, like like natural. That's where the GMO people are right. Like there, so there are some people that are so anti-GMO. It's almost like like when you're talking about people that call out everything. Yeah. The same thing happens in in food security work, right? Like yep. there are people that just want to call out any corporation anytime for anything. for every little thing. Yeah. What yeah. what Monsanto did was right, messed up, and mm. you should be against what they've done. Like the American Supreme Court allowing a patent for a plant effectively allowing a corporation to patent life Mm -hmm. was a terrible decision it was a terrible precedent Mm. so i'm against that and so when it comes to gmos infiltrating our food supply that way i think that's totally wrong but the idea that we can never change food or that there's some you know paleo traditional sort of way of being just doesn't reflect who we are as a people we were we were killer agriculturalists like the Haudenosaunee people we could navigate waterways like nobody's business and we could grow food to feed our people for Mm -hmm. years Mm -hmm. and years and so yeah I'm there's a fine line that's an interesting point though you do so I think you have to separate criticism of a company a corporation and and legality with the technology right because the the scientists and the technologists are there to try and feed the world and and help people right yep. there's of course you know and that's a whole maybe topic for another day but the whole uh business interest and where that where that comes into play but yeah that's interesting though that's a good point um i wanted to ask you guys a little bit about um the history and like any uh mythologies and stuff that uh, each of your backgrounds uh includes do, do all the tribes like do they have a link like a common link in the mythology I, back in the day i'm gonna back you up okay bands or tribes or whatever tribes. you call them first like nations first nation we're groups we're nations oh you call yeah. them nations okay nations. i don't know about where about does the lake, word bands come from is that accepted as well yeah, so in america, oh, okay. in america they go with tribal governments and in canada <clears throat> they go with band council governments okay. yeah so again those are colonial terms of it so nations yeah. we call ourselves nations interesting so is there do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, do they have a link in their mythologies or in their histories that they accept that sort of they, you know, like the Bering Strait, people coming over from the Bering Strait? Mm-hmm. Or do they consider themselves from separate lineages? Does that so, make like, creationist or like origins? Yeah, source? like, is there a common yeah. thread where it's all sort of we're one people, that kind of thing? Or is it more like, no, you guys came from here, we came from here, kind of thing? I would, I mean, I would liken it to different, um, different faiths like if uh, if you think of the what do they call them abrahamic Illuminati, yeah like uh, religions judeo-christian so like christians and uh jewish people and people uh with islamic belief systems mm-hmm. they're all abrahamic religions so like on the one hand sure there's some central tenets that are the same but with the devil's in the details so there there are some differences like i, I don't think anybody would say that a christian person and a jewish mm-hmm. person had the same belief system or like the, the practices same. and beliefs are different but um what about more of a historical origin story does that i mean there's no one creation story like 500 no. nations there's so many different, ones. different creation stories i mean yeah. but like i mean so like if we look at it from a historical point of view all societies have acknowledged that there was a great flood Right, the deluge. Uh, right, uh, that has existed, and a lot of our creation stories, a lot of it begins with a flood, mm. or begins with with water. Um, so, it, like, if from a timeline point of view, yeah, maybe that's a commonality. Mm. Um, but more so, there are more differences. Differences in, this, in that yeah. sense. They're like they're more specific to each other than they are similar. Does that make sense? The more specific, like, are they, do they have? Is there any sort of a character that comes up and you're like, oh, this the the characteristics of this character in the story yeah. are very similar to this other one here? So a lot or maybe of, they're the same dude or something like that. A lot of nations they have um, like a trickster type of person. Okay. So he is the type of person who is a teacher in the sense that whatever he does, you probably shouldn't do. Mm. Right? He's there to teach the children, teach the youth. That maybe it's not a good but idea. But may have a different name for him, yeah. different versions yeah. of the story. So like in my culture, we call him Nana Bush. Okay. Nana Buju. No. Nice. Uh, is there anything similar? No? <laughs> Everything <laughs> else is totally different. <laughs> cool. Well, guys, this has been very informative for me. And I wish you guys all the best and success with your new radio spot. Thank you. Thank um, you. And I was the guy that you guys were mentioning that only listens on Sundays at noon. I don't listen to the radio other than that. So thanks for the shout out on the show today.
thanks um, for having us on this yeah really great it's awesome so this yeah. is exciting exciting platform so if you want to find you guys um one dish one mic just google it or yeah. is there a website yeah, one dish one mic.com dot com yeah. nice. facebook to all our stuff and Instagram. if you're local, 6, 10 a.m. every Sunday at noon. Yes, That's right. Sir. For the hour. Check us out. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. See you guys next time.